How do you convince someone to do something for you at work? What can you do to get a colleague or stakeholder to comply in submitting or changing the work? Today I talk with Jennifer Boddy, CDI Director for a top hospital system in New York City, about strategies you can utilize to get that person to comply with your request and the importance of embracing change. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Career Path Angel Show, where we talk all about career, business, positive mindset, self-development, and many other fun and exciting topics with one goal in mind, to help new working professionals to fast-track their careers in the corporate world. So what are we waiting for? Let's dive right in. Here is your host, Angel Mary. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Career Path Angel Show, where we talk about very interesting topics relating to career, business, and anything relating to promoting yourself up as you work in the corporate work culture. We're joined by Jennifer Body today. She is actually someone who has an over a decade of clinical documentation improvement experience. And she is currently CDI director for an enterprise healthcare system based right out of New York City. She holds not only one, but two master's degrees, one in public administration and the other in nursing. And she has also worked for the past eight years as a board certified nurse practitioner in internal medicine. In addition, Jennifer keeps herself in continuous self-improvement, attaining various certifications over the years. Jennifer, I'm so pleased to have you join us today. Thank you, Angel, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I, I, feel like the listeners probably aren't really clear about what CDI really means in your title, CDI director. So would you please care to explain a little bit more about what that actually means? Absolutely. Uh, CDI or clinical documentation improvement is a major revenue cycle project in any uh, hospital system that helps bridge the gap between the clinicians, meaning doctors uh, um, and the care team in general, and the coding team under the auspices of finance in order to uh, meet and exceed goals of the organization in terms of representing all the care and services we provide for each and every one of our patients via documentation. So are you, you're talking to a lot of different departments then in this type of role? Well, absolutely. It's extremely important to have the ability to communicate between different parties uh, in revenue cycle in HIM, which is health information management, primarily the coding department, along with our department, we deal with multiple service lines throughout the hospital system to help them to achieve goals, to better represent the work that they do for the patients by improving documentation. I mean, one thing Uh, I want to ask you real quick, Jennifer, before you go forward a little bit more on this is, do you feel like the role that you're put in as CDI in the hospital between all of the service lines puts you at an advantage or at a disadvantage when it comes to uh, communicating your ideas forward? Oh, it's absolutely an advantage because it's important to build those bridges between each and every one of these departments so that there's a clear understanding of what each and every one of our goals are. And we're also able to more better, uh, more effectively analyze where our deficits are so we can work together cohesively to work on solutions to improve documentation in my particular instance and achieve the overall objectives of the institution. When you're talking about documentation improvement, let's break it down a little bit more granularly for the individuals listening. This is really looking at 
the medical record and ensuring that the information that is in the medical record regarding the patient is 100% accurate and also written in such a manner that it is going to reap the most revenue so that the hospital can continue performing and functioning to capture and help the patients that are coming into the hospital system. Yes, that's part of it, um, making sure that we are reimbursed for all the care and services we provide. So moving forward, we're able to continue to provide the highest level of service to future patients, but also not only that, but also to affect external uh, data or external benchmark measures. Okay. That's what it is. So when you're talking to, are you talking directly to other physicians or are you talking to coding teams or are you talking to them because they're not talking to each other? Are you more like an intermediary or are you playing a different role? Uh, well, I am talking to all of these departments. I wouldn't, I would say to a degree we're an intermediary, but we are focused on improving the documentation itself to better represent data that's released by, uh, to external benchmarking measures, uh, as well as to help us to achieve uh, our goal of being sure that we're reimbursed for all the care and services that we provide. We Can I ask, can I ask one <laughs> question about communication then as it per <laughs> pertains to your role? Because obviously the work you're doing, gathering the information and the data is critical to improving patient outcomes. Therefore, the work that you're doing means that you're going to have to communicate this to individuals who don't understand what your role really is. How do you work towards communicating that in an effective way? Well, I think one has to be proactive. You have to reach out to them, ask them to connect with you so you can actually sit down and take the time to demonstrate, uh, perhaps through a presentation, exactly what we do, why we do it, who we are and how we can work together to uh, improve and assist uh, overall in terms of helping other, other physicians, helping uh, service lines throughout the institution to achieve the organizational, organizational objectives. So when you're presenting this information and you know that this is something that you need their buy-in, right? The other service lines or the other teams, and you're getting pushed back what are some strategies you have used to try and combat that pushback that comes from your communication with them? Well, I think what's very important is not to be defensive. You have to be able to present objective information. We are guided by official coding guidelines, other rules and regulations that are federally recognized uh, throughout the industry, um, throughout our country when it comes to our specific department and hospital billing, hospital coding, et cetera. So we use this information and present it in detail to those who may not have a full understanding of why it's important and why we make the decisions that we make. But we don't leave this as the be all end all per se. We present this as something that we can work with and, and work around ethically and, and um, uh, effectively by looking at what we can do within the uh, breadth of uh, capability that we have. So when you're talking to, I'm, for example, say you're talking to a, someone who doesn't have a full understanding and you're doing all of this explaining, you're trying to really hone in on why this is important. There's a federal reason behind it. There's laws behind it. Uh, you're doing what's right for the patient. And 
you may still come across somebody who is resistant, maybe because they have things going on in their personal lives, they're bringing that into their work environment. And we know how that can make work very challenging. Because I think that what we're talking about now, just segueing out of specifically what you're doing in the hospital setting, but more on a broader sense, is the discussion about how do you convince someone that they need to do something for you? And it, this is essentially getting to the level of having a request, right? And in any company, there's going to be any number of pieces of information that you might need to request from someone else, whether it's via digital communication or in person. How do you handle that when you're getting that kind of a pushback from someone who doesn't just doesn't understand and are they're either bringing in their personal issues or they're making it a challenge for your team? How do you handle that? Well, I think it's all about buy-in from above, having the support that you need to market an idea, connecting with the right people first, and maybe subsequently connecting as a group together to help convey the message and the common goal that we all have. For example, um, there are certain uh, technological enhancements we were seeking to have implemented in our electronic health record or EHR. Um, these impl these implement the implementation of these changes would be very helpful in order uh, in, uh, in regards to us being able to better facilitate the work that we do. Um, but it at times, considering that there are, are a lot of items on IT or you know information technologies plate. Uh, it may not be a high priority for them. So when there is uh, a message that's sent that best conveys the importance and you're able to demonstrate that through actual examples, as well as garnering the support of people from above who can help meet together and support this initiative, there tends to be buy-in, greater buy-in and um, compliance Right across the board. So I think, it's, it's, yeah. It's interesting that you're saying this because it, it brings me back to a time when um, I was working in one of my roles and this was earlier when I was working in contract management and I had to work with individuals who were in other departments who had to get me actual numbers because I was working in a role where I was doing legal work and creating a contract and I need to input specific uh, budgetary numbers from a different department. And I had a lot of pushback from one person. And this person made it really challenging for me to get the inf the information. And in that position, because like you're saying, you're, you need buy-in from above, right? And I had my boss's buy-in and he knew how important the work was and we needed it. So I, I looped my boss into that. And then by doing that, I was able to get him to loop in the person that I was interacting with, their boss. So there was kind of this overarching, hey, like uh, from the manager side, hey, we all need to work together on this, you know, that communication. And that helped maybe that manager on the other side talk to that employee and got the work actually came through. But that was something that what you we were talking about resonates with me and something that happened in my career as well. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's also important for the team as a whole, even those who per, who have bought into the idea uh, to see demonstrable uh, um, outcomes. For example, 
or potential outcomes, provide data, provide support for this. Don't just say it's good for no reason. You have to be able to get your ducks in a row, organize your data and analyze it. It's great. We have great analysts who work with us, but we do work together uh, as a group to look at this information and see what is the best way to convey our message through objective information. Uh, not just a matter of like, oh, we should do this just because you have to be, when you're looking for that buy-in from the people who, who we need to support you, as well as, uh, from the individual who may be, um, are resistant to accepting, uh, what you're trying to, uh, whatever you're trying to move forward with, you have to be able to have all your information clear and have and, it I mean, speak your, to your the case, outcome. In mm -hmm. your case, Jen, I mean, you're, you actually have a huge, many, many managers reporting up to you in many different roles along your career. So you've had individuals working below you who you may have had to also get buy-in, right? Because it's not just working in other departments. It's maybe something that's coming down the pike, implementing from a company-wide initiative. And telling your team that there is this major change happening, whether it's from a federal level or if it's coming from, you know, C-suite, how do you manage the expectations of your own team when they're not willing to have that buy-in? How do you handle that? Well, I think it is very important for a person at any level to be amenable to change. You need to have a degree of flexibility whether you're marketing to somebody who is in a C-suite level position or one of your own staff members, it's important to also listen to them as well. And then let them feel as if they're, let them feel that they're heard um, because oftentimes they can provide some very useful and applicable information. However, if a change must still be made, explain uh, why it's important and then set goals, tell them how it's going to be done. Sometimes people are intimidated by change because they're so used to doing the same thing for a long period of time. In my particular industry, change is rapid, it's frequent. Um, so in order to survive in this, you must be able to adapt quickly. Uh, however, there's always, or will always be uh, individuals who have a hard time with it, um, or at least harder, a harder time than others may have. So it's best to, you know, listen to the ideas that are out there, but you have to, you know, do things in a timely fashion as well and uh, work with these individuals to adapt as quickly as possible and as effectively as possible. Otherwise, you know, time is of the essence and you may not be able to achieve what you'd like to achieve if um, there's stagnation or, uh, or, um, uh, retractable resistance, I guess you can say. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying there. You definitely need to have buy-in. You're right that it's getting them to understand what's going on. But I think also you may be the person sometimes in that position where you don't want to change. And I think that I know you're talking about how you have to change. But when you're like, you're thinking about the person who's listening and maybe they're listening to you and they're like, but I don't like change. I don't like change. I don't like how that feels. How do you help someone or what advice would you give someone on how they would manage that change that could happen that would give them that anxiety? Like, how would you get them to look at it from a different point of view? Well, first, I have to understand where the fears lie. 
uh, what are they afraid of? What are they worried about? And you have to um, listen to them because maybe they have legitimate concerns that will need to be addressed anyway once the change is implemented. However, understanding that and uh, assuming that the change is for the best uh, after careful analysis, explaining them to them why it's important we have this change, explaining the rationale, perhaps it gives them a better understanding, and then helping them learn how they can most effectively approach this change. How can they implement it and have uh, more ease and transition uh, into the new habits. Right. It sounds like what you're saying that I really agree wholeheartedly with is the idea of goal setting and understanding why there's a goal, what needs to be done for the goal. Um, I guess the why is the most important part. And then what you said about getting to the bottom of where the fears are coming from. Fear is one of those things that when we think about it, we're not often understanding that it's sourced in some sort of preconceived idea or notion that we have from some information that we may or may not have received consciously or unconsciously. Maybe we overheard someone saying something and that's bringing a level of fear, maybe something to do with a, you know, a set of events that have happened that led up to that point. And I believe having that recognition or trying to have self-recognition in that position when you are in a role where you see change happening around you, everyone has to do the change. And what you're talking about is really getting to the root of that fear. I, I really, I really like that because I think most of us don't even realize we're walking around with these fears that could be preventing us from making that kind of change. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and being able to adapt, I can say in the time I've been in my current job, there has been a massive amount of change. Uh, the job has evolved greatly. It's become much more complex, uh, but it's a good thing in many ways because we are able to achieve more, address more issues. Uh, at first, it seems daunting when you present it with a new challenge, but I think in order to be successful at any point in your career, whenever you're faced with such challenges, is to step back, look at the tools you have, uh, what needs to be done, so what are the most, um, the first steps, what's the low hanging fruit in terms of opportunity to adapt and make those changes? What can you do? You did mention goal setting as well. Maybe the um, long-term outcome is not the short-term goal. So focus on what you can get done first, take things step-by-step step if, if you can, and it will be easier as you move forward and the particular um, objectives uh, evolve, uh, and you're able to evolve with them. Right. I like, I like what you just said about taking small steps. I think the problem that occurs with some people is they get frozen in fear, frozen, meaning standing, being in stagnation, not having that momentum anymore. And the moment you are in a stagnation with fear and you're not moving forward with growth, that's when a lot of the negatives start happening where you're less likely to be amenable to adapt like you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. And I think in my particular role and what I've learned throughout my career is uh, change is inevitable. So to be stagnant, unfortunately, is not an option. So the next thing is dealing with it. How do you deal with um, uh, multiple new demands being placed upon you? That's and how do you manage that? Way, right? That's the new it way is... of the world. Ever since we've gone remote and, you know, through the pandemic and people have figured out that there are so many different ways to do work. 
the demands have increased, right? With the increase in having technology, now the expectation is you do more because there is all this technology to help you do more, right? I would say that's true to a great extent. I mean, we do rely heavily on technology. Honestly, I don't know what we did without it before. <laughs> or when technology was simpler, um, it's a it's a great thing. When I want to um, pull up data, when I want to run reports, when I want to uh, get the information that I need in order to make decisions, it's so much more accessible now. I don't have to sit and like manually do things like maybe I would have done like 20 years ago. So in a way it's great, but yes, the expectations are there also, but there, we live also in a very competitive world, particularly in my case, I can speak to the world of healthcare. Um, the competition is, is, enormous. And it's, uh, we live in a market as well. I I work in a market where, um, everyone strives to be the best and we have some excellent, uh, competitors out there, but we also are a wonderful institution and, um, provide top notch care to our patients. And we really want to show that. And we don't want to sell ourselves short by not representing ourselves the the best way we possibly can in the most truthful way. So um, we're all on the same page with that. I love that. I love that your, um, the ideology behind what you're talking about is you're using a lot of power words. Like we, for instance, you're talking about everyone is working together. And I believe most of the issues that arise when you're dealing with different departments is that ideology that you're not working together in as a unit, right? Everyone is siloed in different departments and they feel like they're siloed. And that could be coming from lack of engagement in the role that they have. So all of those things can play a role and why that could happen. But what you're talking about is that having that feeling of being in one team, that really brings forward this this feeling that you're part of something greater. You're part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And so that small contribution that you're putting forward in whatever you're being asked to do in that moment, that is part of this huge, big, beautiful picture of what you're trying to create and the work that you're doing. And I would probably argue, and I I think you would agree with me, one of the ways to stay motivated in the job that you are in, whether there's all these changes happening or not, is really feeling that connection to why you are part of that organization or why you're doing that role in the first place. Oh, absolutely. You've made so many great points in that statement. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Working in silos, you just can't do it. I'm grateful to be working in a place where there's so much uh, integration between the departments. The communication is there. There are so many decisions that we have to make, so many changes that we have to initiate all the time that really do require the input of other departments, people from other departments, leaders, et cetera. So we strive to work collaboratively. We connect, even though we live in this virtual world, so many of the people with whom I work, including myself, we work remotely. We have to be proactive in in order to connect and communicate well. And I think that's the advice I'd give to anybody who's anywhere, any point in their career, a young person just getting started or somebody who is further down the line, do not fail to recognize the importance of communication. If you know a group of people 
need to be involved in conversation. Don't wait until the last minute to get them involved. Connect with them. Coordinate through your boss if necessary. Encourage collaboration, sit-downs, face-to-face, even virtually, and you're able to solve issues so much more effectively as opposed to uh, having questions raised later why certain decisions were made without certain individuals or groups input. So that is, that is very important uh, as well, certainly. I appreciate you so much, Jennifer, for joining today. And we touched on so many really important topics that I think that when you're talking about working in any type of large organization where you have to touch base with multiple different groups of people, whether they're individuals who are on higher levels than you or individuals who are working below you, um, you have to have this sort of uh, way to communicate your specific, uh, I guess you would say it would be like the, I don't know, there's a word for this. I'm trying to think of it. It's a word for for trying to say that we're, you're, you're bigger than just your bigger, you're part of a whole, right? Something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's like the, 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 the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. That's it. it just, thank you. You got it. <laughs> I think I'm right. I think I'm right. But I know exactly what you mean. Yes. Even if I misspoke. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when, you know, the if the listener is in a, in a position, you know, and you touched on this, if you're in a position where you're feeling like you can't handle the change, you figure out what that fear is. I think that was such an important point that you made that figuring out why you are having this sort of reaction to the change and getting to the bottom of that, that will really change your outlook. And maybe it's coming from something outside of your role. Maybe it has nothing to do with your job. Maybe it's the stress that's some, on something that's going on outside of the position you're in. Uh, but you touched on how having this greater feeling about what you're coming in to do, you're not just by yourself, you're part of something bigger. And that really makes it feel like you are accomplishing something great every day when you come to work. So I really oh, absolutely. Appreciate I appreciate you sharing that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you and, and your excellent points, Angel. I really, I think it's such an important uh, topic to talk about. And I just would like to remind people who, who are listening, uh, remember, if you are the one who is faced with the challenge of change, don't let anxiety or fear of this new change hold you back. Remember, you're in that particular position for a reason. You got as far as you did because you've already overcome so many other challenges. And here you are just faced with another one that makes your job, your career, your life so much more interesting. And it's just another thing for you, another hurdle for you to make it through. And with each hurdle that you jump, you build confidence and you'll be more prepared for the next challenge that comes forth. Yes, thank you so much, Jennifer. I appreciate everything that you shared here. I really hope that we will be able to have another chat again sometime soon because you touched on a lot of great points today. And um, for the listener, thank you again for joining. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do so so you don't miss any episodes. And I hope to see you again next week. All right, take care. Bye. Thank you, Angel. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Career Path Angel Show with Angel Mary. Something you want to hear Angel talk about on the show? Contact Angel through Instagram or TikTok to let her know. Hit subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode and be sure to share it with your friends. Till next time, stay confident, stay positive, and never give up.